that aerobic threshold tends to line up with where the athlete is burning the most, the most fat. Um, and because of that, they can tend to do quite a lot of work in and around that, that intensity. That Triathlon Show, episode 79. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I am very happy to announce that we have one of the heavy hitters in applied triathlon science on the show, Alan Cousins. The topic that we'll dig deep into today is lab testing. So that's when you're going to a lab and you have your blood lactate analyzed or tested or you have your respiratory markers measured in a specific protocol to get detailed insights into your physiology, whether it's, uh, as we talked about, the lactate levels or even your metabolic uh, physiology, how much fat versus carbohydrates you're burning at different intensities. So we'll answer questions like what kinds of lab tests are there out there and what information do we get from these different tests? How do these tests compare to classic time trial field tests like a 20-minute functional threshold power test? And is it worthwhile? Is it worth the investment going to a lab? And if so, for whom? For any athlete? Or are there certain kinds of athletes that should seek out a lab more so than others? And how do we use training zones based on lab tests? And how might they differ from training zones that you get from the classic field tests mentioned? And finally, how do we determine and use fat metabolism results and how important is this in triathlon and especially in long course triathlon? Before the interview, this episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration. If you suffer from cramps in racing or training, one of the likely reasons is that you're not adequately replacing the electrolytes that you lose from your sweat. So to learn more about this topic, Andy from Precision Hydration wrote a great, great blog post called Why Do Athletes Suffer From Cramps? I linked to it in the links and resources below, and you can find it on precisionhydration.com. If you want to buy any of their hydration or electrolyte products, use the discount code that Triathlon Show for 15% off. The episode is also sponsored by Ventum. The Ventum 1 is a super, super fast bike that, based on wind tunnel testing, has been proven to be more aerodynamic than all of its competitors because it's got no down tube and no seat stays, and it's got an integrated water bottle in the top tube. You can read all about Ventum and their bikes and order one for yourself on VentumRacing.com. That's linked to down below in the show notes, and they ship all over the world. But in the US and Canada, you can get a special delivery option with Deliver Build Plus Bike Fit as a sweet bonus. Again, that's VentumRacing.com. Here's a short introduction to Alan Cousins. He's a triathlon coach and exercise physiologist at Endurance Corner, and he resides in Boulder, Colorado, where he has coached 40-plus triathletes to qualify for Kona. But he really has coached all levels of triathletes, from first-time Ironman athletes to elite-level triathletes. He tends to focus more on the long-course side of things, 
and he has a master's in sports science from uh, Western Sydney University and a fantastic Twitter account that I highly, highly recommend that you follow if you're on Twitter. It's uh, probably my favorite Twitter account, to be honest. It's at Alan underscore Cousins and his blog. Uh, Cousins, by the way, is spelled C-O-U-C. E-N-S, and that's it said the second C. Um, I'm not sure if I get the the difference between the, the the early letter in the alphabet and the late letter in the alphabet good enough to to pronounce it the American way as opposed to the British way. So let's stick with said. Yeah. Anyway, his blog is on www.alancousins.com. And that, again, is among my favorite resources to follow. Many, many great blog posts there. If I were to answer my own rapid-fire question on favorite book, blog, or resource, to be honest, I, I would probably pick Alan's pretty high up there on the list. So, without any further ado, let's talk lab testing with Alan Cousins. Welcome, Alan, to That Triathlon Show. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for, thanks for the invite. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's, it's really great to have you. We were just talking a bit off air about how with uh, my own engineering background, your style of, uh, of writing and, and other things that you have, your Twitter account is, is another example, definitely is uh, one that appeals to me. And, and I was mentioning in the previous episode, actually on the show, that, that your Twitter account is uh, the Twitter account to follow maybe of all triathletes. So uh, it's great to have you here. And we have a specific topic, which is great to be able to narrow down on the scope of this interview. And that is lab testing and its benefits. You're an exercise scientist, exercise physiologist. So you have a, a whole heap of experience in that. So can you just start by telling us what are the different kinds of lab testing that are available? Yeah, for for sure. Uh, it, it, there's there's three three main categories, I guess, uh, that that you'll you'll find depending on the particular lab that you go to or uh, you know the particular facility. And uh, the first one would be lactate testing, which is uh, you know something that's been been around for for some period of time now um and you know it is sort of through technology uh worked its way into home units and you know people athletes can buy their own uh portable units and, and do uh, do lactate testing um the second category would be metabolic testing so uh utilizing a metabolic cart and uh, generally speaking, that sort of testing is more the domain of uh, research institutions, uh, hospitals, universities, those, those sorts of things who can afford uh, those metabolic carts. Um, and then, then the third one, of course, would be uh, you know, field testing, which uh, is a little bit of a bit of a gray area. Um, you know, some some labs, quote unquote labs, will be doing sort of uh, you know critical power testing and that sort of thing with with athletes as well, um, and and obviously that that transfers to uh, athletes doing a lot of home testing and uh, testing on their courses and that sort of thing as as well. So I think you know they're they're the three main categories of testing, um, and and each has its benefits and drawbacks, I guess. Yeah, let's get into that. What are the benefits and drawbacks and, and what's the information that you get from those different kinds of tests? Yeah, I, I, I think lactate testing uh, is is a really uh, 
really useful window into an athlete's physiology at, at any one point in time. Um, so, you know, when you look at a lactate test, you, you get a particular curve that's really specific to that athlete. Um, and, you know, it's, it's very, very helpful in terms of identifying particular training zones for that athlete, um, you know, identifying where those inflection points are on the curve for that, that specific athlete so that you can, you can set objectives as to where you want to target the training within specific power or pace zones uh, for, for the next training block and, and sort of moving forward. So I think, I think lactate testing is a, is a really good kind of snapshot, you know, of, uh, of an athlete's physiology across a, a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of ranges. Um, so, you know, I really like it for, for that purpose. Um, how, how do we do a lactate test? What, what's the protocol? Yeah, that's, that's a good, good question. Uh, it, my preferred way of doing it is, uh, with, with fairly, fairly long stages. So like five minute stages, starting at a, at a very low intensity and and that that is where a lot of lactate tests go go wrong <laughs> uh, you know a- athletes have a tendency to, to start at, at too too high a, a level too high a power output um, so I think it's it's really important to to be very conservative with the the first stage that you do um, you know, and generally for, for athletes that I'm working with, that's somewhere around 50% of their functional threshold power. So it's, it's very, very, uh, very, very low intensity for that first stage. Um, and then progressively ramping up every five minutes, you know, depending on, depending on the level of the athlete and how high the test is going to go, we might be ramping anything from, you know, 15 to 30 watts per, per stage. Yeah, so for those listeners that may not be at all familiar with this kind of testing, what you do is that you you ramp the pace or the power and then you stay at that specific intensity for a while. And at each point you draw a blood sample and, and then you can analyze that blood sample and, and see the, the lactate concentration in the blood at that particular point. And and that's then what you what you plot against the power or pace output, and that's where you can get those those inflection points that you that you talked about. And you mentioned the training zones, so let's stick with lactate test for now. How do you set training zones based on on a lactate test, and how is it better than field testing? Yeah, so uh, the the way that we set training zones is really based on where those inflection points on the curve occur. Um, and, and the first inflection point and probably the most important one for, for the athletes that I'm dealing with is that, that first point where the curve goes from a flat line to starting to ramp up. Um, so, you know, generally when we start the test for the first two or three stages, the athlete's lactate will be, you know, one and a half millimoles, maybe 1.7, you know, something in that sort of range. And then uh, at, a, at a certain point, that the, the lactate will start to ramp up. And that, that point, that, that first stage where it starts to do so, we, we call the aerobic threshold. And that's a, that's a really critical point for, uh, for setting training intensities. We do a lot of work in and around that, that aerobic threshold with the Ironman athletes that I work with. Um, 
And why is that? Let's get into that as well. Why why do we do so much work at that aerobic threshold? And and is there a difference if you're an Ironman athlete compared to if you're training for Olympic or sprint distance uh, races? Yeah, the, the aerobic threshold tends to line up really well with uh, the, the maximal fat oxidation number. So if we're, if we're you know, doing a lactate test where we're also getting metabolic data, um, we can see how those two things line up. But generally speaking, that aerobic threshold tends to line up with where the athlete is burning the most, the most fat. Um, and because of that, they can tend to do quite a lot of work in and around that that intensity, um, you know, it's well fueled because we have a a lot of a lot of energy reserves in the form of uh, in the form of stored fat. So it's a it's a really really good uh, balance point between high enough intensity to be getting some aerobic benefit in in uh, you know the slow twitch and fast oxidative fibers, but still low enough that we're fueling it in a way that that's very sustainable for the athlete. And and that translates well to to the the kind of demands that, that an Ironman race has. You you can sustain that for for the duration of the Ironman. What about if you're focusing on the shorter distance Olympic and sprint distance races? Is the aerobic threshold still as important or important? Or what's your take on that? Yeah, I I think that uh, I think the volume is important. Um, you know, pretty much irrespective of uh, the athlete's, uh, you know, specialized duration, certainly for a, a large part of the training year, the, the, the pure volume, the aerobic base is something that's very important for, for all endurance athletes, you know, all the way down to uh, even, you know, 800 meter track runners, the, that aerobic base is still something that uh, makes up a large, large portion of, uh, you know, the, the energy generation for the event. So I think it's, it's a really, really critical area to spend a lot of time on, you know, and that's something that um, guys like Stephen Siler, you know, with his 80-20 uh, kind of breakdown of, of uh, optimal training intensity, he, he sort of applies that across the board irrespective of specialization. Yeah, yeah. So again, going back to those training zones, you will spend a lot of time close to the aerobic threshold. Will you actually do some sort of uh, other... Uh, I know categorization into zones that are at a percentage of the aerobic threshold or will you use the anaerobic threshold or or how do you then work with uh, with the results that you get for an athlete when you have done a lactate lactate test how many zones do they get and so on yeah so uh i guess that's a good lead into to the other form of testing the metabolic testing and uh when, when we do a metabolic test with an athlete we uh we also get uh ventilatory markers of, of where the the ratio between the VO2 and VCO2 changes um, as we as we do that progression, you know, up through the stages. So uh, the VT, the ventilatory threshold, or the first change that we see in that relationship between VO2 and VCO2, it occurs a little bit beyond the aerobic threshold. So um, so that's kind of the the first uh, first zone marker that that I use um, with with the athletes that I'm working with. And, um, and again, you know, usually that, that, uh, that zone in particular really lines up well with the athlete's maximal fat oxidation. So, uh, so that's, that's a key zone. Um, beyond that, we start to look at the anaerobic threshold for the athlete. So where the blood lactate makes it second, uh, second rise, you know, where the ramp of the blood lactate 
takes off again. Um, and, and that's another critical point because it, it uh, kind of limits the, the, uh, the steady state intensity of the athlete. So when we're setting longer intervals, when we're doing tempo work, we want to focus it just, just a little bit before that point. Yeah, so so essentially you have then three zones. You have below the aerobic threshold and between the aerobic and anaerobic and and above the anaerobic is like like in for example the Steven Seiler studies and uh, intensity distribution uh, publications that exist where they tend to just uh, split up training zones into three different zones. Is that the way you do it as well? Yeah, with, with I guess with the 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 small exception that. Uh... Those studies use that first ventilation threshold as the the key limiter for, for low intensity work, and right, uh, yeah. so that's just a little bit that, north of that aerobic threshold. If if we're using blood lactate markers, so it, uh, you know, I, I will uh, kind of make that uh, distinction as well, and we'll do a lot of work just below that aerobic threshold. Okay, okay, got it. Uh, so, but then we also. We all know that there are a lot of field tests to do and we have the 20-minute functional threshold power tests and so on. And then there are calculations that you can use to get your um, five or six zones, whatever system you like to use. What's your take on that? How do they stack up against a lab test? Uh, Not well, I would would say. Um, You know, just just because... Good, honest answer. (laughs) Yeah, just because for uh, for those sort of tests, uh, you know, even at twenty minutes, there's a there is an anaerobic component to those tests, you know, and and I find that for a lot of athletes, they they put out their best twenty minute numbers, or a lot of serious high level athletes, they actually put out their best twenty minute numbers very early in the season, um, you know, so it. Uh, they tend to not line up as well with when the athlete's aerobic threshold numbers and, uh, you know, when when their race-specific power numbers are at the highest. Um, you know, I see a bit of a almost an inverse relationship there, you know, where the, the best 20-minute tests happen close to the off-season when the athlete's fresh and, uh, and you know, re- ready to give a good anaerobic sort of effort. Mm, that's very interesting. So you're saying that that you do a lot of good testing early in the season, and then you train. If you train on a percentage of that FTP that you get, then your aerobic threshold will be kind of inflated artificially because of an aerobic anaerobic component and so on, and and you won't necessarily get as much benefit from that quote unquote aerobic threshold training that you think you're doing but that you're really not doing is, is that a correct interpretation of of uh, of that what you were saying yeah i mean i, I think that uh the, the 20 minute test has its appeal in that it gives athletes or it tends to give athletes a higher number than what what a lab test would give them uh you know and so i think uh that there's a natural tendency to uh athletes like it you know we, we sort of like to see higher numbers and uh there's a certain appeal there but i think it generally if we compare it to those threshold uh, lactate inclinations that we see in the lab um it 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 is higher it's 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 inflated for most athletes Mm, okay very good good and practical advice and so so who so okay we we get now that uh, it's uh, more accurate if you go to the lab and uh, get a lactate test or even even a metabolic test and get that ventilatory threshold instead but uh, it is an investment it costs some money so uh, 
who should consider doing it for whom is it extra important to to go and get a lab test and and which athletes may potentially skip it or do you really think that it's a must thing for for any athletes yeah i i think it's more a question of frequency um you know it's it, it is uh you know 150 to 250 dollars sort of proposition in, in us dollars for uh for, for a metabolic test so um, you know, it's certainly not the sort of thing that you're going to be doing every single block of training. Um, so I, th- I think it's more a question of frequency. I, I think that the the way that I like to uh, to look at it is it's good to always check in on the metabolic status of the athlete at least once a year. Um, you know, and and depending on what we find, you know, with with respect to uh, whether fat burning is a weakness or something that we want to improve. Uh, we might want to do those sort of tests more frequently frequently than that. But I think at least once a year for, for any athlete who's really serious about, uh, you know, customizing their training and uh, do, doing the sort of training that uh, that is focused on their particular physiology, that, that getting into the lab once a year is, is definitely worthwhile. Um, yeah. Uh, and... Uh... I'm going to ask, you have been writing a lot about lactate testing for, for Ironman training on your blog. I'll have a couple of links on the show notes page on thattriathlonshow.com uh, to those blog posts. They're, they're well worth a read. Uh, so do you think that for Ironman athletes, potentially there's reason to test a bit more frequently because it might be even more important for them to know where that aerobic threshold stack up? Or what's your take on that? That was sort of what I my interpretation of your blog posts that it's really really critical for them but uh, uh, tell me what what you think uh, should Ironman uh, triathletes tra- test more frequently than once per year and just to in preparation for their key for their key races yeah I mean I think the lactate curve changes uh, you know ideally it changes every block you know we, we sort of identify zones on the curve that we want to address for a given block of training and we we have an idea of you know how we want the curve to change and uh it's 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 always useful to uh to you know at at the end of the block to actually do a test and and see if we're we're seeing what we wanted to see you know and uh i think with lactate in particular it, it is a lot more accessible you know you can buy a a good portable lactate tester for a couple of hundred bucks you know you can go in with with your buddies and uh you know sort of sort of plan a a testing day once every once every month or one once every couple of months and just kind of test each other and it's it's a pretty affordable way of of doing things and uh you know it's it's not that hard once you once you kind of get a few key techniques down with uh with lactate sampling it's it's pretty easy and it's something that i think uh gives the athletes a lot of visibility into their training and uh you know you can you can definitely get hooked on seeing those changes in the curve yeah yeah good point and yeah it's uh definitely definitely true that it's becoming more accessible and uh yeah any any lisbon triathletes around and you're interested in uh getting down for a lactate test together in a group then uh, contact me (laughs) i'm interested as well uh so what about the fat metabolism test that's another thing that you've been writing about a lot and the relevance especially for long course triathletes you've been writing about uh, metabolically limited athletes and comparing them to even uh, 
ketogenic athletes and then metabolically balanced balanced athletes can you go into that a little bit yeah i mean i i think uh you know for iron man the the important thing to to sort of be aware of about iron man as as a particular event is that it, it's really a test of metabolism more than fitness you know you uh you see athletes kind of making the the jump up from short course racing to to Ironman and a lot struggle, you know, despite being very, very fit, very aerobically fit athletes who, who might have done well um, over the short course. So it's no, there's no immediate guarantee that just because you're, you've got a very high VO2 max or a high threshold that, that you're going to be a, going to be a good Ironman athlete, you know, and I think a lot of the reason for that is, is because it's it's fundamentally metabolically limited. You know, you, you need to be able to need to be able to fuel the effort that you aim to sustain for the race. Um, so I think knowing knowing where you are currently with respect to that, you know, and, and being able to compare that as a uh, as a benchmark in the same way that we might compare your functional threshold power with uh, you know with with typical numbers for Ironman athletes. Uh, is is very very useful and it's uh i definitely think on the meta metabolic side of things that for an ironman athlete knowing where his or her fat burning currently is 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 super important so can you describe that what you get when you do uh, a fat metabolism test or a metabolism test uh, in general uh as as it's called that uh obviously measures the different components of what you're uh what you're oxidizing for energy fats and carbohydrate uh what what is it that you get how does it look visually if you can try to describe describe that and and how to then make sense of that and and use that to to establish where you are and uh, and so on in terms of ironman racing yeah ideally how it looks or how, how i like to kind of view view the tests is I have a, a lactate curve kind of in, in the foreground and then in the background I'll have a, uh, a stack diagram where it shows it, the, the amount of fat burning of the athletes is kind of shaded for, for each of those uh, training power, power zones as the test goes up. So you'll, you'll see a nice little, uh, little fill of how much fat the athlete is burning through each power zone and you can kind of compare that to the uh the the training zones that are coming from the from the lactate test as well so you know you, you can see not only on the the y scale how how high the fat burning goes and how much fat burning the athlete has but also on the x scale how much fat they're burning in those those key race intensities you know and i think that distinction is really important because you mentioned, you know, ketogenic diets and, and that's something that can really elevate that Y axis. You know, you can see athletes who are, are burning 10 and 12 and 14 kilocalories per minute of, of fat, which is just an insane amount of fat burning. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really high, but the, the key question really is how much fat is the athlete burning in their race intensities? And you know that's that's what we want to maximize for our Ironman athletes. Yeah, yeah, and we'll link to to that post on the blog post. And maybe if you have some uh, some pictures of an example picture of that uh, uh, lactate curve with the uh, fat burning uh, percentages, the stacked uh, diagram, then uh, may, maybe we can put that on the show notes page as well to give a visual representation of it. 
Uh, I one more question about the uh, the lab testing is uh, what should athletes consider when they seek out a lab? Are there differences in what different service providers offer in the quality of their services and anything anything else to think about when you when you start looking for somebody to do a lab test on you? Yeah, there there are a lot of a lot of things to think about, unfortunately, and uh, you know a lot of things to to check. It, it pays to to do your homework. Um, I guess the the first uh, really important consideration is the quality of the equipment that, that's being used, and uh, you know we're, we're now at the point where a lot of this metabolic testing is starting to trickle down to to health clubs and and you know smaller uh, smaller labs. And um, some of it has, some of it, you know, d- does okay, but some of it has a really, really hard time handling the, the sort of flow rates and the sort of volume that we see on even, even you know, average level athletes. So we, uh, you know, I'll often get a, get a test from an athlete and I, I know their race performance and I, I, you know, I know what sort of level they're at and, you know, it'll say they're, their VO2 max is reading at 65, 70 mils per kilo, you know, and I, I know that that's, that's not that level of athlete. And then I'll ask them, you know, what, what machine they used uh, for, for the metabolic cart. And uh, it's generally one of these cheaper units, you know. So my, uh, my safest bet is to direct athletes to colleges that have an exercise phys department um, or to, to hospitals, you know, those sort of places that can afford the $20,000 and $30,000 uh, numbers that, that good Metcarts uh, are costing. So, you know, that, that would be the first thing I would do is, you know, look to universities if you're planning on getting uh, getting good results for the, for the test. Um, the second thing that I think is really important is what we were talking about with the lactate test, being willing to, to start at a very low level of intensity and to to do those longer five-minute stages uh, for the test. And, um, you know, of, of course, it, it's a balance between the lab wanting to make money, uh, you know, and keeping the test short and you getting good results. So I think it's uh, it's important to to find a lab that's willing to run the sort of protocol that uh, that is going to give you good results and, you know, be willing to, to start at those low levels and, and be willing to spend, you know, 45, 50 minutes with, with you as an athlete. Um, and I, I, I've written about that on my blog, you know, in terms of what the protocol should look like for you. And I even did up a little, a little calculator for you based on, you know, what your current functional threshold numbers are. So you can kind of go to the university or the lab that you, you choose with this set protocol saying, this is what I want to run. Is this something you, you can do for me? Uh, and, and most universities are pretty good with that, especially if you say, this is what my coach wants me to run, you know, so that you sort of give it a little bit of, a little bit of credibility or a little bit of credence that you're not just making stuff up. But uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You even had, had the pitch for how to make them, them run the test on you in that blog post. I, I remember reading that. <laughs> that yeah, it's, it's important. It's very useful because, uh, you know, I, I think give it left to their own devices, uh, labs will tend to do the, the easiest, uh, easiest tests that they can, they can manage. Yeah, yeah. And finally, what about the again, if we have the option of choosing between uh, between the metabolic tests and the lactate tests is uh, are there price differences? What are the considerations there? Who should go for which one of the tests? Or is it a no brainer in one way or the other? What to choose? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely worthwhile at least once a year to, to get that metabolic data. Um, you know, ideally, you, you'll kill two birds with one stone and you'll get both metabolic and lactate uh, data from the one test. But without the, you know, without the metabolic cart, you won't be getting those fat burning numbers, which are, are really important to, uh, you know, especially to Ironman athletes. Yeah, perfect. All right, let's move into some rapid-fire questions, unless you have anything else to add on, on this topic of lab testing or how it compares to field testing. No, no, I, th I think we covered the, covered the important stuff. Excellent. All right, rapid-fire questions then. What's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to triathlon? Ooh, my, my favorite resource related to triathlon is probably the athletes that I coach, to be, to be honest with you. I think that's where I get... My, my best information is just experimenting on those guys. But uh, but in, ter in terms of blogs, I, or in terms of books, sorry, there's a really good book called Endurance Training. Um, it's a little blue book uh, by Newman, Futzner, and Burbalk, and it's uh, it's it's a go-to resource for me. Never heard of that. That's uh, that's really interesting. I thought that I had heard of all of but all all of these books, but okay, that's a new one. What do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some point in your triathlon journey? Well, uh, I was probably more serious as a swimmer personally, as an athlete than a triathlete. So I'll, I'll go back to my swimming days. And uh, thinking back, I, in retrospect, I think one of the biggest limiters that I had was that I listened to all of the nonsense about having to eat like 80% carbs in your diet. And, uh, you know, I was just a, a big sugar fiend. So if I could, if I could go back and do it again, I, I would eat a, a more balanced diet. And I think nutritionally, uh, you know, that, that had a lot of, uh, lot of negative effects on, on sickness and, and energy levels and those sorts of things. Typical swimmer cereal diet. Uh, finally, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. Not good. Finally, who's somebody in triathlon or your field of expertise that you look up to? I, I, I can't really. Uh, nail it down to one person so you're gonna you're gonna have to bear with me i might go over the 15 seconds but uh yeah yeah go on <laughs> but two, two uh definite uh people who've had a huge impact on on myself uh would be joe freel um you know somebody who i've i've looked up to for a very long time i've had the good fortune to to chat with and, and learn from a little bit uh you know in in, in person uh, over recent years and uh, Dr. Phil Maffetone, um, somebody who I think, uh, you know, was way ahead of his time in, uh, when he was working with, with Mark Allen and, uh, you know, the Boom Brothers and uh, Mike Pig and, you know, some, some really big names in, in triathlon. And, um, you know, I think that, that his style of, of uh, coaching and the importance that he put on health and the holistic athlete, uh, you know, I, I really respect that. And I, I look up to him a lot. Great. If listeners want to learn more about you, you have your blog, as we mentioned, on alancousins.com. And your Twitter account is at alan underscore cousins. And uh, are those the best places to, to get to know more about you and uh, connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter, probably a little bit too active. But uh, yeah, that, that's definitely uh, the, the best place to, to reach me. Yeah, perfect. All right, everybody, this has been Alan Cousins. Uh, it was a real, really, really great time talking to you, Alan. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, likewise. I really enjoyed it. 
There you go. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode and that you found it useful. I guess that my main takeaway is that really lab testing is highly beneficial to do at least once a year for any triathlete, but especially if you're a long course triathlete, trying to get that metabolic testing done would be highly, highly critical because you can then learn so much about your physiology and your main limiter in Ironman racing. Remember, Alan is not the first person who has pointed out that uh, your metabolism and uh, your metabolic limitations are your biggest limitations in Ironman racing. Jesse Kropolnicki, one of the best episodes, in my opinion, of uh, on the show so far, episode 40, he immediately pointed that out as well. And uh, that is mathematically the case, because how do we really fuel an event as long as an Ironman? So uh, that, that's why I think that Alan is on to something here when he says that the metabolic testing is really, really critical for all athletes, but especially long course athletes. You can find the show notes for today's episode and all other episodes on thattriathlonshow.com. And again, that's where we'll have some pictures and explain this in more detail because some of the things are a bit technical. So it will be helpful for you, I think, to see some visuals of what we're talking about. Alan promised to send me a couple of pictures, so I hope I'll get them in time for the show notes. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, just contact me or Alan on Twitter. My handle is at SciTriat. Alan, again, is Alan underscore Cousins. Uh, and that's, uh, will be, that will be in the show notes so that you can find them. Big thank you to Ventum for sponsoring that triathlon show. They are a super bike, the super fast bike. You can go to VentumRacing.com to read up on their wind tunnel test data. There is a, a big report there that, uh, that goes into details on exactly how fast that bike really is. And uh, if you saw Lauren Brandon at uh, the Ironman World Championships this year, you saw her on her Ventum bike. She's just one of many, many pros. Cody Beals is another one. We've had him on the show, great friend of that triathlon show. Ventum bikes, they're fast, they're pretty, they're up and coming. Go check them out, ventumracing.com. And thank you also to Precision Hydration for sponsoring this episode. And remember to take their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com to get a personalized hydration strategy for your next race. And use the discount code that show all one word, for 15% off.